Hey fam, welcome to the Still Coloring Podcast with Tony Collier. I am your host, Tony Collier, and each series we lean into the stories of women and men that uncover their brokenness and practically show us all how they've rebuilt their lives with hope and grit. Come on, come on, let's lean in. Hey friends, it's Tony Collier and I am so proud, so incredibly proud to announce that this season of the Still Coloring Podcast is sponsored by Bart Technologies. One of the biggest mistakes that I've ever made as a parent is not taking technology and its dangers seriously. I mean, y'all already know our kids are being exposed to some incredibly horrific things. However, if you follow me on Instagram, you probably heard a little bit about my journey and my partnership with them. I did some research on Bark Technologies through the help of my amazing Instagram community, and it has been incredible. They have been helping me navigate this world for technology for my daughter, Dylan, and one day, my little baby boy, Sammy. And as you probably know, technology can be a major contributor to mental health issues in our little kids today. So, Thank you, Bark, for sponsoring this season as we discuss little kids with big feelings. Keep listening. You'll hear a little bit more about Bark Technologies later. Hey, fam, it's Tony, and you're listening to Still Coloring Podcast, and I'm so excited to be with you navigating some really hard conversations around little kids, big feelings. And my girl, Wanda Molzak, does just that. We talk about her infertility journey, how that was a really hard conversation in the church, how people stood against her and how God showed up and gave her not one, not two, but three little baby miracles. She talks about how they navigate being extremely grateful for these kids because they tried so hard to bring them into this world. And also the balance of being good parents that just show up for their kids and their feelings. It's a good one. She's incredible. Check it out. Share it with your friends. See you there. Well, hello, family and friends. It's Tony, and we're on another episode of the Still Coloring Podcast. And I'm excited because the truth is, like, all of my guests are, like, my friends. Like, they're my acquaintances. Like, we're colleagues. We work in the same field, blah, 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 blah. But this time, I already, I didn't brought a friend on, an <laughs> actual friend. We don't try to do no business together. We're not doing ministry together. We are real-life friends. Wanda Molzak is in the building. How you doing, girl? Hi. <laughs> Can I just talk about how we met? I got to talk about yes. how we met real quick. So you and I were in Tennessee at this next-gen gathering type thing, like all the young people that are in ministry, that are influencing some way, blah, blah, blah. And what's crazy is maybe like a few months before that, I was sitting on the Explore page, as one does on Instagreasy, and I just like stumbled upon your content. And I was like, look how cute. She got her little curls. Then I kind of stalked you for a second. And I realized, I was like, oh, she was a part of like the natural hair vibe. She was like one of the first people to ever do all the natural hair, YouTube videos, tutorials, all the cute things, makeup, everything. And then there was something else that you had. It was like blooming. I forgot. It was like a women's gathering in California or something. Blossom. Blossom. See, I knew something. So I really stalked you. I went real deep. And then I just genuinely, I don't know. You know how the Holy Spirit steps in and they're just like, man, like, God's got his hand on this girl. Like, there is just something so special. This is, and again, you were just on the Explore page. I, so I'm like, oh, she's like an influencer. Like, cool, cool, cool. She's got all the fancy things. The filters are popping. Her family's beautiful. Got it. <laughs> and so then one random day, we're at this in, like next gen gathering. And I just, oh, uh, 
I was like, God, don't do this. I felt the Holy Spirit so strong. I was like, come on. I do not know this. This is about to be so weird. And I go up to you and I'm like, listen, I'm so sorry. This is a little bit awkward. I don't know what to say. Hopefully this resonates with you in some way. But I just feel so strong that the Lord is like, he has his hand on you and your husband. And like, he has more for you than like Instagram, than influencing. Like there's just a call on your life. And you, I feel like you were very responsive and you were like, oh my goodness, like, who is this girl? Let me get your number. I feel that deeply. And it's really because what people don't know is that you and Lo, your husband, do have this incredible background in ministry, in the church. And you were one of the first, like, in our generation to do something different with your influence, right? And But still have Jesus at the center of it and faith at the center of it. And so it's been amazing to see your journey. I thought it was so cool that I randomly found you on the Explore page. I randomly met you in Tennessee. We be in Dallas. Every time I come, I'm like, I got to see Wanda. I just got to see Wanda. What's she doing? How's she doing? Because I just believe in y'all so much. But there is so much more to y'all's story. Like, goodness gracious, it's an onion up in this mug, okay? There are layers, okay? And one of the things that I want to talk about as we process through this topic, like little kids, big feelings, um, and I may get teary a little bit because I've been crying a lot on these episodes for some reason, Jesus. Um, one of the things that I have seen you do, and not from the beginning, but I get to kind of insert myself in the middle of your story, is fight for your kids to be here. And I don't mean like fight in the way that's like, oh, like we got to make sure we save our kids. I mean that doctors diagnosed you not being able to have children, and which is devastating in and of itself. I'm like, I could punch y'all all in the face. Um, <laughs> but you just didn't accept that no, like as the final say in your life and in your marriage. And um, you got to be a part of the IVF journey. You and your husband went to Barbados. I'm doing good. I remember the story. Yeah. <laughs> and you fought for it. Like you fought in faith and in action to bring your children into this world. And yet, for some odd reason, we're not going to call nobody out, but there are people that are highly against fighting to bring children into this world. And I just want to talk about that first. I want to hold that tension. I want to hold the fact that people are on opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to IVF, when it comes to really bringing life into the world, which honestly just like blows my mind. But we are a safe space and people can feel how they want to feel and whatever. But I would love to know how this journey has been for you as a mom, waking your babies up every day, knowing that you fought for them. How's that been for y'all? Oh my gosh. So you dived right in. I mean, go, um, go deeper, go home is like one of our sayings. So, <laughs> okay. Um, but first of all, I just want to say thank you for all of the nice, kind things you said. Tony has like this way this. She be saying she be talking about me nicer than I think of myself. I'm like, girl, what? Okay, period, Lord, period. Thank you, Daddy um, God. Thank you for that. I think you're just an incredible person. I'm so happy that our paths cross. I'm so happy that you're led by the Holy Spirit. Um, so just to kind of dive in because we could actually be here for hours, okay? <laughs> um, but it was crazy because I was diagnosed with infertility so young. I think I was like early 20s okay it was unexpected like my mom just had five kids back to back to back like just was not something that I ever would have thought you know and I'm living for the Lord and I'm like Lord surely you're gonna give me some kids you know like I have this desire in my heart and basically I'm diagnosed with infertility and immediately I hit Google and like they're telling me my options and I'm like 
is this biblical? Is this right? And so like, I literally just dived into like research on it because I had never really heard anybody in the church talk about infertility treatments. And so I was praying about it for so many years. I mean, just to make the longest story very, very short. I was just like praying about it at least for like a year. My husband was praying about it. God gave us so much confirmation. Um, but one thing that really resonated with me was like, I was just thinking about like when people get diagnosed with cancer, right? That's the worst diagnosis or like when they get asthma or whatever, you know, medical diagnosis that you get, it's like, it's so easy for people to be like, oh, go through chemotherapy. Oh, get you an inhaler, your heart problem. Oh, get you a pacemaker. And it was so crazy to me that there was such a stigma on infertility treatments and actually seeking a doctor to help you with something that like is medically just cannot. So God really, really dealt with me in this season and just showed me like he's the one that gives life. You know, there's and it was like just a series of stuff. But like the final thing was like one of my friends, she actually didn't even have the option to do IVF. And so in that, I knew that like a miracle for me, a miracle for everybody is defined differently. Um, my miracle would be IVF. And people, you know, people are like, oh, that's the doctors. The doctors are paying, playing God. But at the end of the day, there are people who could not do IVF anymore and had to go to donors or there's just so many like layers to infertility that a lot of people don't research or look into. And so they just accuse you of playing God. And it's like at the end of the day, God still has to breathe life into this baby and he still has to sustain the pregnancy. He still has to get you through childbirth. So I just had like this huge just revelation. I had so much peace from God. And it was crazy because right before we went to Barbados, me and my husband were like, we actually believe God for twins. Okay. We had been pregnant not one time in this past five years. Listen, y'all was so into the faith game. Twins. My husband bought me a tw um, like a onesie. One it said, when you ask for sometimes when you pray for a miracle, you get two. He gave that to me on Valentine's Day, and then April we went to with like my twenty fifth birthday. We went to Barbados, and period. A month later, we we're pregnant with twins. <laughs> Stop it. Mm, I don't think so I knew that. Miraculous, and I really felt led to share this online. Hundreds, if not thousands of people have gone to Barbados since. Have Some haven't gotten pregnant there. Some have gotten pregnant there. So much so that like my second time going back for baby Koa was free because they were like baby girl. Baby, <laughs> the, people, so the people is baby. clicking the link. The link has been clicked by your post. Yeah. So it was crazy, um, but I feel so much peace. No one can tell me nothing. If any woman ever wants to go through IVF or infertility treatment, I'm like, trust God and like, you know, whatever. If you have faith for it, like it's there, it's happening, you know, and God is able to use whatever he can, you know, and I just wasn't going to be the person that's like praying for a miracle. And then God sending me a miracle and sending me confirmation about a miracle. And I'm like, no, 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 not that, not that way. way. <gasps> you need to, yes. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm, I just learned that you cannot be, you cannot choose the way that your miracle happens. Oh my goodness. There was so much there. Okay, here's what I can appreciate. We've been talking about this idea of little kids, big feelings. One of the things that we've been talking about on the episodes is how much information is out there. And oftentimes we get so overwhelmed. We start second guessing ourselves, et cetera, et cetera, because we're just like information overload. The thing that I love so much that you said is that you went to God first. Like you were like, let me go pray. Like, let me not accept 
or dive into or believe as truth the words of everybody on the Instagrams, of everyone on YouTube, of these comments and of these uh, other humans who are flawed and imperfect like me. Let me go to the source. And I love that because there's no arguing with the conviction that God has put on the inside of you and your husband. There's no, I can't argue with that. If the Lord told you and Lo to go do what you do, it, my opinion, quite literally doesn't matter, nor does my interpretation of God's truth matter. Absolutely. Because that's your holy and righteous conviction from God. I love that. The second thing that I love so very much um, is just y'all's faith. Like, I don't, I don't know. I, I probably got that amount of faith now. Like, I probably do believe that I could jump off a building and be straight because I felt like the Lord, like, throw a pillow or something in there. But before, it was really hard for me to believe in faith that God would do something that felt impossible. Like, miracles felt, like, miracles for other people, I pray the house down. Like, I'm like, intercede, I'm ready. But for myself, there was just this insecurity that, oh, I'm not worthy of like a big God miracle. Like there's been too much trauma. There's been too much. So for you, knowing your background and your story, having that amount of faith, like low buying the dang onesie, like we believe in for twins. Forget it. I don't want a nine, Lord. I want an 11. Okay. I want out of 10, I want 11. If you're going to give me a miracle, I want all of it. And I'm going to pray for it and believe it and stand on your promises that you will give me literally abundantly more than I can ever think or ask. So twins. How did y'all get there in your faith, especially with your background with parents, single mom? I mean, all these different things that you've experienced. And if you want to share a little bit of your past and why I'm asking that question, you absolutely can. But I just, I don't know. I think trauma steals that for from us. Trauma steals hope. So I'm like, how did y'all have that much faith after your story? Yeah, that's, that's deep <laughs> okay. So Long, oh my gosh, I know this is your podcast, so I'm a, I, I'm pretty sure you like just be going there, so I'm just gonna go there. So, and I'm at a place in my life, I'm like, y'all, you just got to take me after this. Um, <laughs> but basically, long story, long story short, my dad was a pimp, he has 19 kids, we were his like last set of kids, and my mom was his prostitute. Everybody. Is that what we're there you saying? Go. There you go. Um, and so my childhood was very traumatic. My mom was always addicted to drugs. My dad was always addicted to drugs. He was always alcoholic, all of these things. When I was 13 years old, I got saved. My dad grew up in church, so he still planted seeds into us. But like the household was so chaotic. We're speaking about like emotions. We're talking about big feelings. I didn't have any. I wasn't allowed to have big feelings. Neither were my siblings. It was traumatic. My therapist describes it as um, torturous. Okay. <laughs> so like I'm unpacking all of this as an adult because growing up, that's all, you know. So, um, I guess in, in my teens, God really like grabbed me. Like he put so many different people in my life to just like have make an impact on me. And, um, the statistics for someone that comes out of a traumatic background are very like odds are against them. And it's like, looks very bleak but when, when you have just one person who can love that child and like be rooting for that child like the statistics are like adversely opposite and so i feel like i was that person i had my aunt who was like saved love the lord was so loving and that planted the seed in me and then people at church that planted the seed for me and i was like this is the only place that i've ever felt love 
and like have ever felt real safety. So like I'm clinging to this. And then all the time I had a relationship with Jesus. I took it seriously. I was in middle school, like, do not cuss around me. I serve a mighty Baby, a I'm mighty saved. <laughs> I'm saved and I got <laughs> bottles of holy oil I'm passing out at the bus stop. So period. Period. And so when I was about like eleven to thirteen, I started having seizures. I got diagnosed with like a seizure disorder. It was a whole thing. And I remember being at thir- being thirteen, being in an old Pentecostal church. Old lady stood up. She said that God told her to stop taking her medication because this wasn't her portion. This wasn't the life that she wanted to live. So I went home and I said, period, I'm done taking this medication. I'm 13 years old. Mind you, at this time, my mom leaves for like months on end. She's never really around. She's on drugs. She's like a sister to me. My mom's getting beat by my dad. Like she's getting sent out to get money. She then becomes like a gambling addict. So there's a lot of stuff encompassing this. And you got like this little 13 year old who has to like call the pharmacist to like order their own medication. I'm my own mother. So I can make this decision at this point. So I make the decision. I'm like, I'm not taking this anymore. My parents, by the way, at this point, they're grounding me from church because that's how much I wanted to go to church. Okay. Um, So I'm just, you know, I believe God. I'm like, I never want to have another seizure in my life. Like to put in perspective, they were like, you'll never drive. You'll never take baths. You'll never like, you'll never be able to do anything on your own. And in my mind, I'm like, well, who's going to help me? Because I have parents now who are really not involved and not here. They both trade in when they're going to leave us, you know? And so I, I make this big faith jump and I'm like, I'm never taking this medication again. Literally to this day, have never had another seizure since. And so that is where like faith was planted in me. I remember God just like leading me through Hebrews and like really teaching me faith. So I feel like that's my strongest like thing. I don't know if it's a spiritual gift. It's not a spiritual gift. Listen, we, we can claim it as a spiritual gift. Period. Like that's always what I've just like stood by because for me, like Audra gets me. I'm growing up in hood. I'm growing up and people are dying all the time. I'm growing up like seeing addiction, seeing all this stuff. And the only thing that I could really cling to was that I knew some people at church that had better lives than me. And one day I'm gonna get there one day. Like I just always had faith. And so when I'm, you know, tested with infertility, I'm like, why would I even be dealing with this? So it was really, I think, For me, what was so powerful in that journey was that God was teaching me like that, like the level of miracles, because honestly, I didn't want to do any medical treatment. I was just thinking like the same way you heal me from seizures is the same way you can heal me now. And I feel like the, the lesson in it was that like you can have faith and get help. And so like that as an adult has been the thing that has really saved me, has made me a better wife, made me a better mother, because I wasn't saying, oh, God, I'm just going to have so much faith for, like, all the childhood trauma, and, like, I'm never going to go to therapy. I'm never going to go to a doctor. I'm never going to, like, ask for help, surround myself with community. Um, and so, like, now I'm in a place where, like, I ask for help. Um, I don't know it all. I'm, I'm up in counseling. <laughs> all those things. Yeah. And so I feel like I that, that. that part of it was, like, it was like God had already been training me up as a child to just trust him, to just have faith in him. So honestly, once I heard his voice and I had confirmation, I was like, oh, this is Oh, it's on. Yeah. Okay. There's a couple things I want to point out in what you just said that I hope people do not miss. Number one, there's a statistic out there that says that if you at least get helping your kids process through their feelings, right? Like 50% of the time, 50% as a parent, they should be fine which is like crazy to me because we're over here trying to bat nine out of 10 with these kids, okay? And we're so worried that we'd have messed them up because one out of 10 times, we've not said something right, we've yelled, we've whatever. 
And the fact that your story was so traumatic and you had not one, but two parents that did not show up for you, hold your feelings. Feelings were excuses. They were also abusive in many ways. Like, and there was a person that came into your life from church that radically changed your life. I just, there's a parent out there that needs to hear that you don't have to bat 10 out of 10 with these children. Mm. We're doing the best that we can and your best is enough. And when you invite God into the story, the 1% can carry your child through to a healthy whole life. Like Wanda, that is so freaking powerful. Your future looked like this. God stepped in and inserted his people, God's plan A, the church, into your story who were not with you all the time. I'm sure you still spent more time at home in a broken household than you did at church, but that alone transformed your life. So I hope somebody gets that today. Catch that for yourself. We love you very much. If you are a parent or a caregiver today, you know just how hard it can be raising kids in the digital age. The struggle is real, y'all. When it comes to balancing screen time, keeping kids safe from dangerous websites and all the countless other threats out there, y'all know it can be a challenge. And it's hard to know where to start. The Bark Phone is the answer parents have been looking for. It was built by a dad of two looking to keep his own kids safe online. And let me tell you, the reviews are popping. As a Bark Phone parent, you manage literally everything your child can do on their device, from who they can text, what apps they can download, and even when they can use them. The best part of this is that it's all customizable. If your child is young, you can block everything and just allow text and talk. As they get older, you can gradually add in games, apps, social media if you want, and you can scale back at any time too, if your kid just needs a little breather. Now, Bark's technology can also scan text messages, emails, other apps, social media, and alerts you to potential dangers like bullying, online predators, sexting, suicidal ideation, and so much more. For peace of mind, when your child is out and about, you can also use Bark's GPS location tracking to keep an eye on them. Not in the market for a new kid's phone, but still interested in keeping your kids safer online. Bark also has a safety app that you can put on iPhones, Androids, Chromebooks, iPads, and even Kindles. So here's what I want you to do. Check out Bark technology for your family. Visit info.bark.us slash Tony. I'm going to say that one more time. Visit info.bark.us slash Tony. Listen, you will not regret protecting your kids. One of the things I hear all the time is that, well, I had a really broken childhood. And for me, like my mom was really sick growing up. So I became my own mom. Like parentification is what the counselors call it. When you have to kind of raise yourself and you raise your parents and all the things. And the, my biggest fear and a lot of other people's biggest fear is, man, like I'm not going to be able to raise kids well. Like I am, nobody tended to my feelings. So I know for dang sure I'm not going to be able to tend to these kids' feelings. And that is not the case for you. You have three of the cutest freaking boys I've ever seen. And I know what it is to parent a boy now. So I know the obsession. I want to literally be with my baby boy from dusk until dawn. Okay. But the way that you even practice techniques like smelling the flowers and blowing the candles, like with your boys to try to help them breathe in, smell the flowers and breathe out, blow the candles. Like, oh my gosh, how did you get there when you didn't have that as a child? I just don't even understand. 
Yeah, that's such a good question. And it's, um, it's so good. And I think it can be encouraging to people that feel like they just, you know, are behind or they don't know all the like best techniques. And honestly, I think like one thing that I wanted to say is like, it starts with you and you know this, like it, it you have to do your own self work as a parent to really learn your own emotions and learn what that looks like, learn how to manage triggers, learn how to like be emotionally stable and sound within yourself and learn the importance, you know, through self work, whatever that looks like. And I feel like for me, that's what it was. It was like, I had to go to therapy. Like I, I was having like, so like after I had the kids, I just feel like I was so anxious so much and like all this stuff took a hit, you know? And I was like, I, I was, I had a, a moment where basically I was driving on the freeway and I just was having like, it felt like a panic attack. And so I have to like get off the freeway, but all like the twins are like in the back of the car. They're like a year old. And I'm like feeling like I'm about to just die on the freeway. And so I call low and I'm telling him I'm crying. I'm hysterical. I just can't do it. I can't get back on. I think I'm going to die. It was like a whole thing. And so after that, I was like, no, I have to go to therapy. Like, I really need to take this seriously. I think I had dibbled and dabbled in therapy. But like, this was like, no, I need to be there. I need to, un, un, you know, needs to be on speed dial. Okay. Yes. And so like, I feel that that really helped me. But once the boys got to be about toddlers, I really needed, I, I like needed to have some techniques because I realized like, wow, I'm getting frustrated with you and you don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> you don't really know you what's going on. no here. idea that you can't lick your brother's elbow. You can't do that. I can't mean, lick it. the things that these twins will do, okay? <laughs> so, Listen, we saw them on Instagram the other night with some uh, lotion. Was that a little cream they had all over their faces? Yeah, no, it, was, it was diaper cream. Okay, okay. Their, on their, their faces and in their hairs. Gone, okay? That's perfect. Um, but I was like, you know, I, I want to be the parent that, like, shows up for them, that helps them to, like, sort through emotions because in my, in my household, that didn't happen. And so, like... People surrounding me, like they're in prison because they never learn how to like deal with their emotions. They never know how to like self-regulate. Like that sounds so deep, right? To like just a normal everyday mom. But for me, because I was surrounded by like a bunch of people that honestly were just not emotionally like able to process what they were dealing with, that they were like lashing out in other ways, you know? So for me, I'm like, okay, I have three boys. At the time it was two boys. Like, I don't know what I need to do, but I just saw lots of meltdowns happening. And I was like, let me figure out some things, put two and two together and like try to get this together. I mean, I'm not the perfect mom, but I was like, listen, we're going to do something. So I'm actually happy about the 50% rule because I'm like, girl, you. doesn't that bring so much relief? Girl, when I heard yes. the statistic on the podcast, I was like, there's a God. He's a, he's real. He is real. He's filling in the gap. He's a gap filling God. Hallelujah. Cause I know yes. I'm, I'm scraping 50%. Scrape. Yeah. I'm like, I think that just like really, it like just put this whole little bow on like our intentions as parents. Right. Because like you have, like you're saying, like my story is like parents who like wouldn't try, did try, can't try. And I'm just like, it, it gives me peace because I'm like just my intentions of being a good mom. Like, God can meet that, you know, and he can meet that. He can lead me in a direction, you know? So, yeah. Oh, I period. love that. Here we are. Okay. Here's another th thing I like about, another thing I like about y'all's story. Um, I like that you're not raising boys to be emotionally healthy alone. I think this is a thing. Like, we talk to a lot of, we talk about a lot of moms here. I mean, I literally have a mama shirt on. I'm like repping for the moms out here. 
But one of the things I love so much about your husband is that he is really emotionally stable as well. And he's not just leaving you to do the job of feelings with your sons. Mm-hmm. Is that something y'all discuss? Like, did he come ready made? Like, help us understand. <laughs> he is out here helping these boys process. Okay, Logan goes to therapy too. He got his own drama, his own life, you know, and he, he's had to work through. And so like we both, I feel like because we wanted these kids so bad and we, God made us wait, for a very long time, it felt like um, it made us really be like, we cannot mess this up. Like, Lord, when you give up these kids, so it made us make promises, I feel like, to God. And specifically for Lo, he's a great dad. I mean, he processes well. And like, if he ever gets to the end of his rope, he, I, I'll tag he's him like, out. Tag you I'm in. <laughs> so I think it's really helpful to like have that, have someone that's just like on the same page with you. And we do a lot like in the background of like, okay. When you did this, I didn't like that. And vice versa, like when you did this, I didn't like that. You could have done this instead. And we both kind of like feed off each other. We like having like game time meetings at the end of the day. Like how did the how did the day go? Um, so I think just having a partner whose like efforts are there, even when they're not perfect, is it it just makes it a little goes a long way. Like as long as they are just have the willingness. So sometimes I'll like send them a video or like send them a podcast or send them like a YouTube channel, something, because I know he wants to be a better dad. And even though he may not have all the tools, I feel like just sending him things has helped him. And then he sends me a lot of stuff too. But again, it's the intention. It's like, we want to build our kids and make our kids stronger than we are. And so like, that is our like goal. And so I feel like we become like a team and we're like partnering together and parents. Yeah. There's a couple things I just got from that that I want people to lean into. I think this is going to sound so cliche and cheesy, cornball all the way, but like the saying, kids are gifts, like, oh, this makes me want to cry. Dang it, dang it, it got me. I got my own self. I just got my own self. Um, I don't think when you're in a really toxic and abusive marriage and you have a kid from that, they do not feel like a gift. Let me just say that. Like, I want to address that. And I also just want to like hold the stories of single moms that are listening and that do not have a partner and don't even have this additional effort to help them with their kids. Like, I just want to acknowledge and bring all that into the room. But sometimes like kids do not feel like gifts and we don't play around with the like pain comparison trap. Like I'm going to compare my story and I should act like this. But when you said that, like y'all had waited so long for these kids and we're like, Lord, if you give me like, Lord, you have fulfilled a promise here. Like, thank you for these miracles. We're going to get this right. Like, I feel like that posture shouldn't just be with people who may have had difficult with fertility, difficulties with fertility, because if we could all have the posture that kids are gifts, like these are literally miracles. I'm, I'm about to say, unpack something on this podcast, y'all. I'm so sorry. Like, y'all are, don't unfollow us, but I have to unpack this. We are not going to talk about pro-life, pro-choice. We're not going to do that, okay? We're not going to go to that road. But I just, I want to offer up a perspective on this. Before I had my, so my first kid, my nine-year-old, she just popped up out of nowhere, honey. We were scared, nervous. We couldn't even believe. We was like, this sucks, okay, that she is coming up on the scene right now. But for my second child, we actually tried. So I got a new marriage, really beautiful marriage. We were trying for a year. And I was like, is something broke? Like I said, now wait a freaking minute. Something is broke here. And so I started doing research on like how you actually get pregnant. And y'all, 
the fact that we are fertile as women, what, three days out the month? Three out of 30 days. Mm-hmm. And there's like a 24 hour peak, okay, where y- y'all got to do what married people do. Okay, y'all know what we're talking about, okay? And and your husband got to shoot his shot, okay? I, I'm just trying to be PG 13, okay? And it's got to land in the three day window because they little sperm be dying quick, okay? It's not, they ain't strong, they small, but they're not mighty. And it's got to, like, find a little egg. And then that egg, though, which is now a fertilized egg, has to attach to your freaking uterus. Okay? Once it plants perfectly, then it starts to grow. You have to make it through these first three months, the first trimester. It's the highest risk. Like, it almost shocked me that people having one-night stands getting pregnant. Because I'm like, that baby was supposed to be here, obviously. Because... The yeah. mir- the all-out miracle that it is to bring a child into this earth, I just believe that if we were to take that a little bit more seriously, like the intricacies of how difficult it is to bring a human into the world, I think when we begin to look at our kids in the eye on their worst days and we say, like, you are a miracle and a gift, I think mm. it'll reposture our hearts. That's so good. Right? Because what it took to bring your little behind, who you currently having a tantrum, but like life was formed miraculously. And we now get to be stewards of that because they're not ours. They really are God's. And I just, I want someone to hold on and grasp that in the hard days. It, it should not be just for the people with hard stories, with battles, with fertility, for there to be this like, oh, God gave me this child so I really want to try hard like it's beautiful that you and lower like that but we really should all have the posture of these are gifts and we're gonna do our actual best I just wanted to say that hopefully I don't get canceled anyways no that's good that's so good everything you said is like powerful because I mean even after having the kids right it's like you still have bad days where you're like are you a gift Ooh, did we (laughs) we were joking about this other day was it too soon? <laughs> we could have like, held off on the third. <laughs> it's like, it's a, no, actually. You can't. You got to. Okay, okay, okay. I don't oh, know. Well, peaceful. Oh, peaceful. It was peaceful. It was the twin that took us out continually. Okay. Um, but no, it's like, it, you know, I feel like even for us, like, there are days where we're like, yo, like, this is hard. Like, it's really hard, you know? And I think, like, in the hard, having that grounding point for yourself to be like, yo, these kids are a gift. So like, we got to figure it out, whatever it is that we can do. Like we got to figure out even like for the single mom, it's like, I, I put something down in my notes just about community and like having community, surrounding yourself with community, doing whatever it takes to like get that community of people surrounding you because it does take a village, you know, and there are like, there's so many good churches out there. And I know like people have things to tell the church, but like, there's so many good churches out there. I mean, even with my whole story, our, my church growing up wasn't the best church or they weren't the most perfect church, but like just having people that like have like some sort of values and some sort of like love and the love of Christ that they can just like love on your kids too. So that when you reach the end of your rope, like you'll have someone there to just kind of like uphold you and pick you up. That's, it goes a long way, you know? Listen, you need these other people. 
I I be like, Lord, please somebody come take an hour. Come take an hour with these kids. The witching hour, to be exact. The one where they are just turning up. If y'all could come and scoop them up, that'd be great. One of the things that is really hard as a parent is trying to parent well with no resources, like no books, no access to things that can really help you process through it. And so I'm excited because I have gotten to be a part of a project that I've needed for myself. And it's my brand new kids book. It's called Broken Crayon Still Color. It's helping littles process their big feelings. And y'all, it is just the I don't know. That's the joy of my heart right now because I'm seeing kids maybe for the first time, parents maybe for the first time talking about something that's been taboo for a long time, like our feelings and the fact that when we have big feelings, good ones and really bad ones, like it doesn't make us bad. God still loves us no matter what. And I'm excited because this book is touching the world. It's being put out in Target. Yep, that's a big deal. It'll be in Target, in stores, and it's just cool. I hope that you grab a copy for the kids in your life, for you, maybe yourself as a parent. All you do is head on over to TonyJCollier.com backslash crayons. It'll also be in the show notes. I hope you grab a copy. Yay. Um, Okay, I have a question for you. Uh, we have a lot of practical patties that listen to the podcast. They're just like, we we love a good story, but also where are the tips and tricks? You know, they're like taking notes. They're in. I'm a practical patty, so I feel you. What tips could you give for parents that are helping littles process their big feelings? Like whether they are like young, like the twins, like our small babies, or I mean, maybe they're, I don't know, teenagers, little preteens. Dylan, my daughter, thinks she's a tween. I don't even really know what that is, but that's what she thinks she is. Um, any tips for us? Yeah, I have so many actually. Um, but I'm gonna try to limit them. Um, so I really feel like, first of all, you even wanting the tips is amazing. That's what I have to say to people like, thank you for even asking. Um, mentally asking. But I I've learned with the boys specifically, like learn teaching emotions when they're not emotional has been like the key, right? So I, I would notice like my twins having like specifically one of them is like hype, like 10 times more emotional than the other one. And so it would be really, really hard for me to like even get his attention in the middle of like meltdowns, tantrums, it's nothing if he was just like going all out. And I think like as parents, you have the tendency to want to like stop that emotion right when it's happening. You're yelling in public. You're doing something that I was told as a kid not to do. And so it kind of embarrasses you as the parent. And so you're trying to like give them all these practical tips and tricks, but like it won't work. So like that video that I posted where Lo was like blow out the candles, right? We've already kind of been going over that when they weren't upset. So like that was a real meltdown, right? But like he wouldn't have known what to do if that hadn't already been like something fun, a little game that we were like playing with him, playing with him. So I think like a, a major tool is to like teach emotions outside of like emotional moments so the boys and i like if we're out at the store and let's say we're shopping or even at the mall i can take my kids to the mall because i'm playing like i'll play things like show your happy face so they show me their happy face show me your mad face they show me their mad face so like we walk through all of our emotions it's a game for them 
so that when they really do get upset or if they get scared or whatever, they can come to me and say, hey, mom, I'm scared. So like giving your kids a um, giving your kids like words for emotions. And one thing we've been working on now is like not only to like hear those emotions. Right. So like Kylo, one of the twins, he gets like scared during like movies. So like now we've been starting to make sure that like if he says I'm scared in the movie to like pause the movie stop him in that describe why we feel that he could be scared are you afraid because it got dark and it looked like da, 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 da. Um, and so just basically giving them ways to really like know practically how to walk through their own emotions and instead of like when you're scared right because i know he's going to go to school eventually so it's like when you're afraid i know you may want to yell scream and run out of here but like Maybe next time you can stand up and say, hey, I'm too scared. And then, you know, walk to an adult or walk to walk out the classroom, whatever, walk out the room. But like just basically teaching them like practical steps. But again, I wouldn't do that while he was actually scared. I would wait till he kind of calmed down, come back to him and then teach. Because when I'm when I'm emotional, I don't want to hear no one teach to me. And, I and, hear and don't tell me to calm down. No, that's not the time for that. But I think like as parents, we just expect them to just know. And it's like, how will they know if you never teach them? And so that's kind of like even ties into like us as adults, like the reason why our parents could not teach us emotions is because they actually didn't know their own emotions. And it's like generational. So it's like intergenerational, like passed down to like, hey, when you're sad, be quiet. Don't say anything about it, you know? <laughs> Um, so practically it's like bringing awareness to the emotion, allowing, like teaching what the emotion is and then walking them through the emotion and then giving them practical, like coping mechanisms for those emotions. Because if you don't teach them or what could happen, um, if you don't teach them like coping mechanisms to the emotions, then they'll just feel validated to stay in that emotion and like stay in whatever behavior they're displaying because you've never taught them how to cope with anger or cope with sadness or cope with whatever. And so I feel like once you can put those words to it and then you can kind of, it's like, it just becomes like a little bow that you're tying around a nice emotional present. Okay. Oh, I didn't get up for this. <laughs> um, little, little box. Yeah. And then if the emotion, let's say is like false or like, it's not really a true emotion. Obviously we validate that they feel this thing, but also like as a mother and as a Christian mom, you can also point them back to the truth of God's word. So like afraid, right? Like God has not given us the spirit of fear. So like, how can we, you know, I validate your emotion, but also, you know, just taking them like a step further. Um, and one of my like last things I'm going to say, cause you said practical, but this just ties into it. Um, I really, 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 when I was praying on this, I really feel like discipleship for your kids starts with helping them process big emotions. True discipleship is helping them learn how to process their big emotions. So if you can spend a, an hour a week really like researching, reading books, because there's so many good books out there, you know, about how to process emotions, like that's to me is true discipleship because from that comes self-control. And self-control is like a big virtue that everybody needs, okay? I mean, I Galatians, saying, Galatians, no, okay? Don't get me out here. Let me just stop talking right there, but... <laughs> no, those yes, are really... very important. It's so good because... Well, first of all, one of the things that you said that just got me was like not processing emotions in an emotional moment. Dang, bro. 
I'm so guilty of that. Oh, I'm so convicted by that. I'm just like, we got to talk about this right now. We got to, I'm, I'm just such a doer. I'm an achiever. Like, let's, let's nip it in the butt kind of thing. But also, um, you said something else that convicted me. Oh, the whole, like, if you're sad, like, just be quiet. Like, you just, just don't feel like, you don't have to say anything about it. Just be sad over there. And how isolating that is for a child. I mean, I know I'm so guilty of that. I'm so, oh my gosh, mom. I'm, so, I'm like, I know, sis. Go ahead and go deal with your feelings over there. And I've really had to honestly look inside and be like, why is it that I'm responding this way? Well, it's like, well, because in your past, you've been told if you're sad, go wipe it off and come back when you're happy. Because happiness is a more acceptable emotion. But really, they all are. Here's the third thing that I want to just highlight, then we'll get out of here. But spiritual bypassing has been something that our generation has been so afraid of. But I want to clear the air here that when you give people scripture in the midst of their emotions, it is not always bad. It's the timing that's bad. It's if someone says, look, look, yes. look. It's if someone says, I'm really sad right now or I'm really afraid right now. Well, oh, the Lord said that he has not given us a spirit of fear. So you just, you know, wipe that away. No, no, wait, 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 wait. We are all made with our emotions. We've been created this way. He, if he, the Lord would not have created us this way if he didn't have a plan of execution to bring it back to fulfillment and good. I mean, he just, it's not how he worked. He gives us the strength as parents to acknowledge emotion and also to welcome people into the truth because even Jesus himself was all grace, all truth, all the time. John 8, the woman that committed adultery, he literally looked her in the eye and said, I don't condemn you. He spoke to her emotions. She is embarrassed. She is ashamed. She is half freaking naked out here because they didn't rip her out. Somebody, uh, bed, little, somebody had a little tent. I don't know what they was in exactly, Okay. But they didn't drag her up into the temple court. She is absolutely embarrassed. God, Jesus is speaking to the emotion. I do not condemn you. Pick your head up. There is no shame here. Oh, and go and leave your life of sin. Jesus was all grace, all truth, all the time. We can be that for our children because we're trying to be more like Jesus, not only as human beings and adults, but also in our parenting. That's all from what you just said. Okay, Wanda, here's what I want you to do. I would love for you to pray, I think, for the listener and watcher whose faith is just not strong right now. For whatever that means. That may be in the infertility journey. It may be in sing single mom in it and not having another partner to give effort. That may be because they kids uh, squeezed a whole bottle of diaper cream on their faces at 2 a.m. in the morning. Um, but their faith is just weary. Can you pray for that? And then we'll get out of here. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you just thanking you for this moment right now. God, I thank you for everybody that's listening. I just pray right now that you would meet them where they are, God. I pray that you would highlight the things that they really needed to hear and that it would resonate in their heart, God, that all of these seeds planted would produce fruit. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would just begin to just work, God, miraculously through their lives and just teach them how to trust you more. I pray that you would even bless them for their intention to want to be a better parent and to want to be better in this in this area, Lord. And I just pray that you would continue to just just strengthen them and meet them halfway or sometimes 75% of the way. Um, bless them, use them, and just encourage their heart. Be a comforter and comfort as only you can. And we just pray right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
Wanda. That was amazing. Hey, fam. I just want to thank you so much for listening to the Still Coloring Podcast. I also just want to say that I do not do this alone. I have an incredible team that helps to make this podcast possible. It's produced by me and my lovely assistant, Amanda Reed. All of the episodes are edited by Robert Elkins. If you love the artwork and the graphics and all the marketing that we do, it's done by Natalie Maxey of Nueva Creative. Also, we have illustration show notes. Head to my website, tonyjcollier.com backslash podcast, and you can download illustrated show notes done by my girl, Emily Mills of Sketch Academy. All right, last thing. If you love listening to the podcast, you are really going to enjoy watching it. So head on over to my YouTube channel and watch the full episodes done by my girl, Kendall Patterson of Lovely House Media. Let me remind you of something right now. Even when you're in the middle of the greatest pain of your life, even when all hope seems lost, just know that God is in the business of healing and he is still and always will be your ultimate redeemer. Love you. Love you.